Hey, Mabel. Hey, Tori. Hey, playwrights. Welcome to Hey, Playwright, a podcast about playwriting and life. Hey, Tori. Hey, Mabel. How's it going? <laughs> Great. <laughs> Cut out that goofy laugh. Oh, my God. You don't have a goofy laugh. Do you know that John was making fun of me because of my laugh? Because I, I cackle. It's fine. it's fine. Oh, no. I love your laugh, even if it is a cackle. It's who I am. I own that. Um. So, what'd you get in the mail today, Tori? Well, actually, I got this in the mail yesterday, and I knew what it was, but I did not open it right away, um, mostly because I just had so much going on. And, you know, like with my Sarah Greenman packets that come, oh. I like to savor them. So I knew, I know, <laughs> two to open. Yes, me too. But I knew what it was going to be because um, I had signed up for Alvaro Sarrio's Chisme newsletter. And in that newsletter, when I got it, this was, um, when when did I get it? It was last week. Whenever February he... 7th. Oh, February. <laughs> I know this. <laughs> I was like, how come I didn't get mine? Uh, My spam. Oh, the no. Last... If you okay. listen to the last episode where we interviewed him, you know that we have a problem with Alvaro's emails and spam. Anyways, back to you, Tori. Anyway, mine did not go to spam. My newsletter came right to me and I read it right away and I felt so inspired and I learned so much um, and I got excited all over again. And then I got to the very end of the newsletter and there was a giveaway opportunity for a new book that he was published in, a youth plays book called All of Us, A Celebration of BIPOC Voices. And I thought, you know, I don't win things typically, but I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to send an email and see if I'm one of the lucky three. And you know what? I was one of the lucky three. And Alvaro <gasps> sent me my copy. It's just so cool. There's 12 short plays in here, including um, one by Diana Burbano, there's ah! Matthew Paul Almos, Randy Reinholds. Um, <gasps> I mean, so, so many fabulous playwrights who are writing these plays for young people. And it was curated by Jonathan Dorf. So I, I, so I see cool. his name. I see his name everywhere too. So I think this is super cool. I can't wait um, to read these plays. I'm really excited about this and then to share, you know, what I, what I learn. And um, maybe if you're really nice, Mabel, I'll let you borrow my copy. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. I'm, I'm super happy for you. And um, I'm a and winner. Also, yes. You know what? You are a testament that dreams do come true because you think like, oh, people put these giveaways, but nobody ever wins. I know. And you that's me. are the living proof. I won. That I won. regular gals like us <laughs> can win. I kind of needed a pick-me-up too, you know? I've had some, I've, I've just had some down days. It's been a little stressful over here in my house. So 
I was really, this was a, a, a bright moment for me. I'm excited about it. So thank you, Alvaro. I look forward to reading your play and those from the other 11 playwrights in here. And you know what else is cool, by the way? the There's a, a Q&A at the end of each play with the playwright. What? Yeah, yeah. I had flipped through. I opened it and flipped through. And Alvaro's play is called The Day the Music Came Back. And the characters have names like bass, disco, treble. <laughs> so, oh my god! I mean, you know, you had me at disco. So this is a, a bright spot for me. Yay. What about you? What do you have going on? Oh my gosh, you know what's a bright spot for me? Was that I actually exercised today. I, so, so it's a strange thing that is coming up in my world. I am going away to tennis camp. That's right. And I, I had a minor panic attack earlier today thinking like, oh my gosh, it's February and I'm going to go to tennis camp and I'm going to like break my ankle or do something because I was like, I have to get ready for this. I have to go uh, start hitting because I am so weak, right? I mean, I'm normally weak. I normally have no upper body strength, but, but I can barely hold a tennis racket when I, I'm not exaggerating. Like, seriously, it's very uh-huh. heavy for me right now. So, um, so I got my, I got, got the clothes on, put the tennis shoes on, not the, not the running shoes, the actual tennis shoes. Put the tennis wow. shoes on. And then I told my kid, I was like, we're going to go hit for five minutes. Cause I was like, you know, I don't know what, what's going to happen out there. And then we, I set the timer for five minutes and we hit for five minutes. And then he's like, can we hit longer? And I was like, okay. And you know what? It wasn't terrible. And I felt great. It was yeah. really, it was really awesome. And so, so I did exercise today and that actually brought me joy. Like it really, when people say, you know, like go move, like, there's really something to that yeah no well releasing those endorphins getting your body moving yeah I made my kiddo take a walk with me and the dogs when she came home from school much to her but you know what I think she ended up having fun it's it's it was a nice walk it was good so yeah yeah my kid also was like can we go on a walk this weekend I was like it's little things you know yeah yeah I don't know it's so I'm trying I think he thinks I'm gonna die like I think he's really concerned about me having a stroke and it probably doesn't help that we say like I'm gonna have a stroke it runs in our family that's oh my god so I think he thinks that I'm going to die so he's like you gotta move so wow but I told him he's gonna be my coach he's gonna be conditioning me to go to tennis camp is this your your younger? Uh, yeah. Yeah, your little guy. Yeah. That's good. Yay. Yeah. I'm glad that I'm glad you have a tennis buddy. Yes, I, I do. I have a, I have important. a tennis buddy. You know what, Tori? Hmm. He's also a playwriting buddy. Yes. He's uh, also becoming quite the little little theater guy, which is weird. It's not, you know, I didn't grow up that way. So so it's really fascinating what is happening in his world. Okay, so yesterday I was hanging out with the little guy and I don't even know how it came up, but he started mentioning 
like oh because i think i asked him i'm like so what's going on in, in your theater class because i always want to know like what they're doing you know he's like oh you know we're we're learning about um this this playwright and then he's like ch ch and i'm like childress alice childress he's like yeah yeah, yeah alice childress i'm like wow. oh what <laughs> okay yes um so wait it's gonna blow your mind because because then so so i was like oh that's 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 are you learning about you know you learned about or because it's you know we're in black history month and he's like yeah but his teacher and like mad props to his teacher she is doing a month of black theater artists and they're they're going through they're going through the names they're going through the names oh so he's like so he's telling me so like he knows lorraine hansberry wow he's and when I when when I was like, oh, um, and he was like trying to remember names and and I was like, uh, he's like, uh, I was like, Lynn Nottage? No. Like, yeah, Lynn Nottage. And I was like, <laughs> Yes, what? I'm gonna I'm probably gonna meet her in April. And he's like, What? You're gonna meet Lynn Nottage? And like totally freaked out and thought that was the coolest thing. And I'm thinking, like, bro, you're 12. Like, how do you know? Who Lynn Nottage is. You know how? Because he has a great theater teacher. Mm-hmm. That, like, somebody is making it interesting for these kids. And I just think that that is amazing. So, hats off to all of the theater teachers out there. That, oh. theater, that theater teachers, drama teachers are doing the work. And the kids are receptive. And my little dude knows who Lynn Nottage is. Oh, yeah, because he was like, yeah, she's got Pulitzers. I'm like... <laughs> Yes, and. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, why this is so timely is because he mentioned Alice Childress and what is happening around town, Tori? Well, yes, this is why it's so timely because we are talking with a director um, here in town who directed the Old Globe's production of Alice Childress's trouble in mind and that show opened on february 5th and the director is delicia turner sonnenberg she is this amazing theater artist here in san diego i've been lucky enough to be in the room where she was directing a couple of times at san diego rep but she's also the founder and former artistic director of moxie theater for 12 seasons which is So awesome. Yeah. And she has also directed at La Jolla Playhouse, Actors Theater of Louisville, um, and the Diversionary Theater Signet, New Village Arts, and more. She's just constantly, constantly working. So we we are so grateful to have her on the show to talk about her experience directing uh, Alice Childress's Trouble in Mind at the Old Globe. All right, so let's listen to that conversation. Welcome to Hey Playwright, Delicia. Welcome, Delicia. <laughs> Thank you all for having me. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so we're just going to dive right in and ask some questions about your journey into directing or you, how you found your way into directing. Um, I, like a lot of people in theater, started as an actor. Like I, I took my first drama class in eighth grade after I moved from Atlanta to Texas and I had to sign up for an elective and drama was my elective. And then I fell in love with it, auditioned and got into the Performing Arts High School in Houston. And um, 
but I didn't love acting. And in my junior year in high school, we took a directing class. And that's when I was like, oh, I love theater. I don't love acting. And now this thing, I love this thing. We, I directed scenes and took a lot of play analysis in our actual directing class. But in my senior year, I got to be the AD for um, my theater department was doing Macbeth. And um, I directed the, the Macduff scene and my director let us stand. And then I was totally in love after that. Oh, wow. So what was that shift for you, though, that made you decide directing is where I want to be? It was just like a, it felt like coming, like I found my calling kind of. And then my, my teachers were like, one of them in particular was like, yes, I, I can see this is a good fit for you. Have a good eye, he said. But also the other side of it, because our actually, our actual directing class was all play analysis mostly. And I, and that appealed to me as well, like diving into how the play worked and then how to bring that to life with actors for an audience. So when you approach a play for the first time as a director, what do you have a ritual or how do you start to? Ah, uh, yeah. Great question. Like some directors are like very visual. And I would say that I'm a director that's moved by words. Like I love text and poetry and my my first instinct is how does the language work because i think for me language is what separates our storytelling medium from like other storytelling mediums like film or tv like the way a playwright um be, because you know in film and tv you can go to the place in theater a lot of times imagery takes us to that place right so um, I mean, not that you can't have scene changes, but you know, you know what right. I'm saying. Like, there's <laughs> a language that that really is um, that draws the audience in or me in as a theater maker. When you are working with the actors in the room, and and I'm just gonna say I've been very lucky to be in that room with you, watching you navigate and, and uh, uh, guide the actors. How do you? get them to trust you and work in tandem, you know? I don't know. I mean, like, I think a part of being trusted is being trustworthy. Right? <laughs> um, and also I love actors because that is brave work. Like, I think one of the reasons I didn't love acting is because I don't have, I, I am not a person who can be vulnerable necessarily in front of other people. Right? I mean, like, I think it takes a lot of bravery to stand in front of people and bring a character to life, to bring a story to life, to, to put meat on the bones of the playwright's vision. And so I think um, that's a part of it. Like I really do love actors and the bravery it takes to do that work. That's awesome to hear. Because I wonder sometimes, you know, some, it, it, all directors approach the craft differently, but you truly did. When I was in the room, you could tell that you loved it and loved the process and, and the actors, it, it was a good time. There was a lot of laughter. And also you said something once that has stuck with me and it was about emotion and, um, being moved to tears when you are angry 
And I remember you said, because you had, you were talking about a, a specific situation that you had encountered with a man and you were so angry that you cried. Do you remember? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh. Well, I remember the situation with a guy. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it up herself. Yes. What you said was, do not confuse my tears with, um, not vulnerability. Do not, weakness. do not weakness. Yes. Do yeah. not confuse my tears as weakness. And yeah. that really stuck with me because I think that is something that women are accused of. If we are angry and, and that has happened to me. So that really resonated with me. It really stuck with me. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it doesn't happen very often, but I was exhausted and it was like a hard process and it was like the last straw. And, and I think, and I, and I wasn't in a, oh, I need, it wasn't for attention or I need comforting. I was really mad so, and frustrated. And so I had to say those words. Don't confuse the, it's just like my body's natural response to this moment, but don't confuse these tears with weakness or that I'm not listening because I can hear you. My body is just responding. <laughs> Yes. To whatever this BS is that you're. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you. I found, um, I found a lot of comfort in that and, and yeah, so that, that's always stuck with me. Um, So you've had the opportunity to work with playwrights on new scripts. Mm -hmm. So can you talk about that process for you? I think like all the processes are different because playwrights are different because we're all different people and different playwrights need different things. Right. So like I said, I'm, I don't approach, I don't see stories. I like hear them. So I'm always interested to talk with a playwright about what their intention was. I see my job as really to bring the playwright's intent to life. Right. So, uh, and so that makes it for a very intimate kind of communication like and so i ask all the questions like why did you write this play sometimes they want to talk about um what they want the audience to take away from it sometimes they're like it is what it is they're gonna take what they take it depends on the personality right and if it's been done before or read before like i ask even like what works and what doesn't what did you find anything in any other processes that people got stuck on that really don't matter or vice versa like what's really important to you that that you haven't had a chance to like explore yet um right like what is the story you want to tell and and then how we tell that story with other collaborators we stay in communication with about but I, I love I love working on new plays and I love um, I'm not very good at a like a moving target because I'm not a writer. It's harder for me to work with playwrights who don't know what they want mm-hmm. because I'm not going to be the one like then they need a dramaturg. It's not my talent to be like, okay, well, this is how you can, you can, what about this? What do you want to, I, I, because of the way I see my job, I want to bring to life what the playwright intends. So they have to know what they want Mm. for me to be, do my best work. My talent is not in writing (laughs) (laughs) and I know that. So I don't try. I can really appreciate though, that you are, you're embracing that collaboration. 
Right. You know, from all different angles, not just the the playwright, but the actors, the other, the other designers that are involved. Right. Yes. Right. We were talking about working on new plays, but the play that you're working on right now is not a new play. The playwright is obviously is, is no longer with us. Um, so, uh, so just talk about, if you don't mind, talk about Trouble in Mind. Uh, yeah, I'm doing Trouble in in mine at the globe uh with like amazing an amazing team of actors and designers and craftspeople and producers i mean like it's like i i gotta knock on some wood because it's just so much fun it's exhausting um uh, but it's so much fun um but but working on a classic i think and i directed the play before from moxie um but if it it well, I always approach every new process as new because it's new actors, it's new designers. Um, the play is the play, right? <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. And so, but what the other artist brings to it feeds with their own experiences and their own talent. I allow that to make it new for me because it is new. And that way I, I'm not interested in fitting the play in a preconceived notion or the actors in preconceived notions. I'm interested in let's discover this story we want to tell together as a company and let's tell that story as effectively as we can. So that's kind of how I approach a play that's been done that's a classic. I heard you say once that your understanding the play um, requires you to understand the playwright. Yes. This is something I learned in high school. I, I, I mean, uh, one of the things that they preach to us in high school is you don't know the play unless you know the playwright, right? Because anybody can write a story with a play within a play, like Trouble in Mind, with a integrated cast that wants to do something important. And anybody can write that. But but what is it about Alice Childress's Trouble in Mind? So in order to know that, then you got to start with research on the playwright, then the title, then that's sort of like the basics of my process. I start with the playwright, then the title. Why is it called this, right? And then, um, and then get to some of the questions that the play is answering. Because then, because when I start with the playwright, I know a little bit about why maybe she's asking these questions or bringing these points. So you directed this play for Moxie. Is there any new? discoveries that you have made this second time around? Well, yes, I will. That's the simple answer is yes. But a part of that is because the artists are all new working on it. Not all of them. One, one was in the other production, but, but like I said earlier, like the other art collaborators life experience feeds into the storytelling, right? Even if we believe the same, the play is saying the exact same thing. I would say it differently than say my lead actress would, right? And so the way she says it makes it different. Um, I don't know if that's too vague a thing, but, but I, but the end actually, because it's different, the way it hits me is different. Um, and I think that has everything to do with the, the actors playing those roles. Um, so that was a discovery. Uh, also, even like uh, the actor playing Al Manners, who's the antagonist in the play, he has he's very smart actor, very talented, uh, Kevin Isola, and he. But the questions he asked 
like in terms of like time and place also i was like oh i thought this meant this but you're right it could mean this right like mm -hmm. those are like little discoveries and that's what i mean like like the artist's input impacts the work yeah yeah absolutely and as a matter of fact that character manners the antagonist has this line as the director because manners is the director in the play for anybody listening where he says we don't want to antagonize the audience yeah. so could you could you talk about that uh, just on the bigger picture <laughs> i think theater at its best is subversive mm -hmm. Like this play, Trouble in Mind, like you you think you're watching a comedy and it is, but then it turns into like a quiet revolution before your eyes. You, like, yeah, it's like really beautiful in the way that it does that. I don't want to go to the theater and sit down and be still and be quiet like school or church. Like I'm not interested in being taught a lesson. I want to have a human experience. I want to be moved mm -hmm. in some way, whether that's just purely entertained or move to tears. I want to be moved. I want to, I want to learn something about something I didn't, something I hadn't thought about in the human condition or about people I didn't know or whatever. You know, I remember I was directing a play for a theater that was about like working class people. And I asked the artistic director, why are you doing this play? And they said something like, you know, because of all the rich people, la la la. And I was like, well, everybody wants to be rich and nobody wants to feel bad because they are. Like rich is not the problem, greed is the problem. So let's mm. <laughs> like, we, like making the audience feel bad is not a call to action. Nobody's gonna mm. do anything if they feel bad. They have to be inspired to do something. Moved and inspired, that's like the aim. And I don't, and I don't mean that the material can't be hard because it can be hard, but I don't think like, like, obviously you're wrong. I'm right. Doesn't work. Otherwise we wouldn't be so divided as a country. <laughs> so when plays are great, it's in the way that they, they get your involuntary attention. They make you listen to things that you didn't think you needed to hear. I love that. That's right. That's why it's a quiet revolution. <laughs> like you said. And it absolutely is. You know, I was reading this article in the New York Times about this play when they um, mounted it at Roundabout Theater in New York mm -hmm. in 2021. And so I wanted to read a quote from the article talking about Alice Childress. She was a woman of amazing integrity, said Kathy Perkins, Childress's friend and the editor of a major anthology of her plays. And she's also was the lighting designer for that mm -hmm. roundabout production. And then the quote goes on to say, she hated the saying ahead of your time. Her yeah. thing was that people aren't ahead of their time. They're just choked during their time. They're yes. not allowed to do what they should be doing. So could you help us unpack that? Uh, yeah, that's my, I know Kathy and she's great. And uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, that's my favorite Alice Childress quote. Um, because, because in her time, like the, 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 you probably know a little bit about the history of, um, Trouble in Mind, but it, it was going to be on Broadway, but the producers wanted her to change the ending and she changed the ending for, uh, um, for an off-Broadway run, I think, but she hated it. And yes. so she changed it back and then, and then finally the, the she 
pull the play or it got pulled or whatever happened because she just couldn't right and so in her lifetime like literary types loved her work and and universities and students but not the professional theater scene even though when you see this when you see trouble in mind it could be one of the sad things about it is it that if they had cell phones and the headlines were different it could be today mm-hmm. we're still dealing with some of the same issues i think the difference now is that we've been through a pandemic where we all had to have some time to reflect and a, a social justice um movement and that the that nobody can hide behind blinders <laughs> that like the blinders are off yeah but there's also an opportunity for people to hear the play in the in a different way even though the truth is still the truth as it has been since she wrote it um so i i think the listening is different now mm. um and so and so literally like she wasn't allowed in her own time to have the ending that she wanted. Mm. Right? Like, I know. <laughs> I mean, in order for her to have the professional success that she deserved. They wanted her to change the title too. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh. Yeah. I think exactly that quote about integrity really... <laughs> The fact that she said, no, I'm not going to do that. You know, and it was at the the cost of having her work open on Broadway. But right. she, that that was who she was. Right. And I, and I am, um, and I think that the lesson is, and this time, one of the things that I was thinking about um, as I went into this process is, uh, that, that we always talk in this country about the dignity of work, but we often ask workers to sacrifice their dignity in order to work. Mm -hmm. Like if you can't pee on the assembly line, you gotta pee on a cup and so that you make your number. I mean, all kinds of things. And we do that also in theater, in the arts. Like, yes, you can play, you, you can, I will hire you, but only to play this kind of role and this kind of, Right. So balancing integrity with needing to pay your bills, that's a hard for a lot of people. Some of us are fortunate that we can say, no, I can hang on to my integrity. I, I, but some of us can't do that. Some of us can't say no to this work that we find objectionable because it's a paycheck and the lights need mm -hmm. to stay right so even though this play is set in the theater and is a cast but the issues are still the same they're they're people who need work and so what is too much yeah well and i know she was even alice was concerned at the time about taking that work from the cast and the you know right yeah um have you ever found yourself in a situation where you said no, you know, you you were passing on something. I realize this is a privilege, but I, I, I say no a lot. So because I, I sometimes I'm like, you don't need me. You can there are people who are better suited for this or this is not a story I can tell well or, you, you know. Um, and and 
sometimes I've said yes when I should have said no, not because I did, because the work was bad or I mean, just knew that the process would be not um, healthy. Luckily that doesn't happen very often. Um, be, but I, I am lucky that I can say no, but that's hard for a lot of um, artists. And then I, I find sometimes also that sometimes you, I just found this recently. Sometimes you don't know you should have said no until you're in the middle of it. And then you can't, and then it's more harm than, than good. But that's the lesson we all have to learn, I think, as people living in the world. Like, oh, I thought this was going to go one way and it didn't. And then how do I, how do I know for next time? Yeah. And now you are at the Old Globe as a, as the, as an artist in residence. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm one of four artists in residence and it, uh, uh, yeah. And it's amazing. Can you talk a little bit about what that experience has been like? Uh, yes, it's been great. I mean, mostly, uh, so far it's, um, season planning and, um, talking about and, and figuring out for myself what I, what I want to get out of what I want to learn while I'm there. I would say directing um, Trouble in Mind is related to being an artist and resident, but separate. Like I have a contract as a director and, you know, um, the, being a part of the Globe's team and seeing how the, how, how decisions are made, that's all been, been very exciting. And, and the, my colleagues there are um, some of, some really like lovely, gifted artists and administrators who are passionate about work and and representation and making theater that matters to people. Mm. Uh, what kinds of what kinds of things are you passionate about? Like what is what drives your your art? Right now I am passionate about like I used to always be working on like simplicity and beauty because <laughs> sometimes I can be too busy. Right. Um, but, but lately I've been passionate about, uh, doing work that has an impact and thinking about this idea of pipeline, like who, who are the ones coming up after me and what is my responsibility to them? Mentorship, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but not just in like performance or directing, but who are the designers and who are the technicians and who are the stage managers and who are the the production managers to be? I'm interested in that. And finally, but not least, I'm also been thinking about this idea of black women in America, like, wanting us to stop saying, how can I be of service and to start saying you're welcome mm. for all the work that we already do, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like you're, you're welcome for this movement and that movement mm-hmm. and, you know, the church still running and the, I mean, all, all of it, the country saving democracy again. I mean, like, it, it, um, so those are, so giving voice to black women in particular, um, that is what I'm, I've been working on because I was lucky that I've, I found, I, I, it's been a long time since I found my voice and been able to hear the sound of my own voice. Um, mm-hmm. and then 
understanding that that is not true for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. How can I like make sure that I am working towards that? Mm. Yeah. I mean, um, one of the things that I, one of the things I reflected on a lot uh, during the shutdown is, um, you know, I'll do talkbacks or whatever, like after shows and, and sometimes cause we'll say, ah, oh, have you ever dealt with prejudice in your life? You know, <laughs> and it's, always a tricky, it's always a tricky question for me because I say, I know the prejudice exists. I personally haven't felt it because I don't make other people's ignorance my problem. And one of the things I realized during the shutdown is that other people's or, or that that's, that's for me doing less work that other people ignorance is my problem because it's, it doesn't necessarily hold me down, but it holds down other people. Mm-hmm. Like what am I doing to address that? So that's sort of what I mean. Thinking about theater and thinking about um, young people, maybe not like super young, but like even like somebody that's like in their early 20s, that's that's just getting started, knows that that theater is, is interesting to them. Um, what kind of advice would you give to to a BIPOC um, theater maker who's who's just starting out or is, is just barely dipping their toes in the water? Um, I, I think. One of the things I would say is that even if you don't, if it, even if you are not interested in acting or directing in, in the theater, there are lots of jobs. You can be passionate about the art with, um, and you don't have to be able to do the art mm-hmm. and that your passion can be useful. Right. Or, um, and so, um, that, and I would say, especially now that, larger institutions are starting to understand that not everybody can afford to do an internship for free. Um, I couldn't, right. I had to work. I, mm-hmm. so now that theaters understand that there are more opportunities and also what I did for myself that I think, so I guess this would be my advice. Identify where you want to be and then get to know the people there and say, okay, well, what about in the business office? <laughs> mm-hmm. What about like, get in the door? You, yeah, it can be the basement door. It doesn't have to be like, I'm going to start as the assistant director. It could be, I'm going to start as the administrative assistant in finance and go to all the staff meetings and see how this thing works. I think that's great advice. And I think like realizing that it's not just about being a director or being an actor or or even being a writer, you know, like there's, I mean, it takes, it takes an enormous village to put together a production. Yes. And not only that, but I, I also find like, like I said, I went to, I auditioned and and in my high school, we had to re-audition at the end of the, and I did all that acting work. And I remember saying to my professors, I don't want to be an actor. They were like, that's okay. It's still good training. It's good discipline. You still have to. So understanding, I got this at an early age, how the skills that I was using that I didn't even want could translate into something else about preparation and discipline and follow through those kinds of things. Even if I wasn't talented as an actor, I could get from beginning of the process to the end of it. 
and then understanding that accomplishment. Uh, sometimes you're going to learn how, what not to do, <laughs> right? And sometimes it's okay to ask to, and I always think it's always okay, but it's okay to ask for what you want. Mm -hmm. It's okay, like, to say, these are the things I would like to learn, or this is why I would like to work with this institution. What do you have open? Or this is why I would like to work with you as an, I always say yes to anybody who want to, who wants to AD for me. I always say yes, it's <laughs> because, and it doesn't matter. I mean, like I had TJ Johnson, who's an, an accomplished actor in, in the San Diego community. He, he was like, I'd like to AD for you. I'm like, why? He's like, because I want to see how you work. And I'm like, okay, sure. And so he did right from him to people right out of school or in school. So, um, because I, I, I learned like that. I learned by like observing the whole process and, and those little jobs helps you see how the whole thing goes together. And no matter what you do in theater, knowing what other people do informs your own work, even as playwrights. Yeah. Do you teach, have, do you lead any directing classes? I love working with students. So I've directed a lot of student productions and I love it. Love it, love it. Um, and I worked with Playwrights Project and sometimes mm -hmm. that's young people. Um, and I love that too. Um, I know I'm not sure that I could do the whole like professor gig with tenure and worrying about all like the politics. I don't think I could do that part. Work in academia as a like, um, and for, for on the, the administrative side, <laughs> I think the administrative side doesn't appeal to me. Yeah. yeah. Here, here. <laughs> <laughs> Some people are really good at it, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I admire those people. And I say that now, and like I'm 51. I mean, like, you know, in another 10 years, I could be ready for that. That could be the next challenge, but it hasn't been so far. Okay. So I think we're at our, the question you're asking for a friend. Are we, are we there? <laughs> I think so. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Okay, Delicia. Yes. If you could peg a director to direct the play of your life, who would it be and why? Huh, that's that's a, <laughs> that's a really good question. If I could peg a director. Uh, yeah, huh. I don't really think my life's that interesting. So I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Um, right now, today, I would have to say Rob, Robbie Lufty. Uh, do you know Robbie? Yes. Yes. I love, love, love. I would say, like, I would say Jen Thorne and Robbie co-directing my life. <laughs> Jen Thorne knows me better than almost anybody and she's an extremely talented director and then and Robbie like is breathtaking like every time I see his work there's something about it that like takes my breath away so I have like the combination of like um uh like really great storytelling with Jen and beautiful storytelling with Robbie and like that'd be great and make my life look better and more interesting than this. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. We, we got to interview Robbie in yeah. 
season one was a season one. I can't remember. He's just a, he's just a lovely human being. Yeah. Yeah. All around. Yeah. Okay. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, and, and, and hopefully we'll be interviewing Jen in a couple of Mm -hmm. weeks. Yeah. We're trying to get her on. I'll do because she's, yes. She's like one of my, like a lot of my favorite Moxie shows have been directed by Jen. People are like, what were your favorite? Like Lady of Cabejo. <laughs> like almost all of them. <laughs> um, like I've, um, Hickory Dickory. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, I love the plays that I work on and uh, I'm lucky that I work, I got to work on plays that I loved, but yeah, there's just something about it. Yeah. Do you have a standout play that you directed that that is your favorite that when you think you're like, that's my heart play? Uh, I think Blue Door. Oh, yes. Gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I, and, I, and the reason, because I, I, and I really like the, the whole process of The Bluest Eye. I also loved, um, and I love, I loved everything about it. But um, Blue Door, there's something about the, the way, it's got my favorite things, which is like a very intimate story um, against the, the broad backdrop of like an intimate family story against the broad backdrop of history mm-hmm. um, and and uh, American history and Black American history and uh, racism. Um, so like those two things working together, or it's like, that's great. But then also the way the play works on the actors where the older actor is sort of for lack of a better term, the straight man and the younger actor has to play all the ancestors, like the all the older characters. And so it puts that young actor in touch with history in a way that is be- like breathtaking. And you get to, and for the audience, you get to see like this very, this young person as a young person in real in history is just like the way that play works is sort of magic to me and it's so simple right <laughs> in a way but yeah i just got chills remembering it just yeah oh that, my gosh that was yeah that was a uh cortez and vimel and, right and elliot elliot yeah, yeah. Vimel, i mean the stage manager and Vimel were the anchors of that process while Cortez and I like, like, because that was, that was a lot of work. I mean, for both of them, but Vimel was such a rock and he was so good that it really allowed Cortez to shine. Yeah. 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 I think that was a moment that I had in the theater watching that story unfold where I just felt like I was transported. It was, it was, it was just so beautiful. Like I'm tearing up just thinking about it. Like how, how, what a beautiful production that was. Yeah. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. it was a beautiful to work on. Like I tear up when I think about it. It's like one of Mm -hmm. my favorites. I love it. Yeah. yeah. If I could direct that play again, I think I would direct it for the rest of my life. It's, it's mm-hmm. so good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. We are we are approaching the end here. Um, Delisa, do you think of uh, an exercise for 
for the peoples. Um, again, as Tori said, it could be an acting exercise or writing exercise. It could be a word that, you know, it's like, here's your prompt, you know, boom. Uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe an exercise would be like, write something scary. Mm. And that could be a scary story or about something that scares you. Literally or figuratively. But um, I, I like this. I like this definition of courage that it like bravery or fearlessness. That's not like the absence of fear, but the ability to act in the face of fear. And, um, uh, and I think that speaking our truths and telling the truth on stage through writing or directing or, uh, uh is a very scary thing, but in order to push conversations forward, we have to, face those fears and act in, in the face of them. That's what I'm working on anyway. Fabulous. Love that. All right. <laughs> I just, I'm still thinking about Blue Door. Delicia, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Um, so where, what do you have coming up? I mean, we know what you have coming up, but if you want to, I have, I have I'm going to, I have um, uh, Trouble in Mind of the Globe. And then after that, I'm going to be at Signet do, doing a um, Dominique Marceau play called Mud Row that <sighs> is beautiful little play with a gray cast. Um, and I'll get to work with Robbie and that'll be great. <laughs> next oh my gosh that's amazing cool all right well delicia thank well, you so thank much you so for being with us oh my gosh oh we're so we're so excited uh for everything i mean you know it's just it's an honor to to spend time with you and just to see the the breadth of your work and um what a gift you are to to the theater community and it's just uh yeah, I love it here. I love this community. And I love thank you so much for the honor of being on your podcast. I'm so thrilled that you had me. Thank you so much. That was a great conversation. Oh, my goodness. I cannot wait to see trouble in mind. It's crazy, right? Because it's it's one of those pieces that was written long ago, and yet is still so timely today. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think it's important. I'm really glad that they are putting it on. And I'm glad that Delicia is the director and that we got to have this conversation. Um, so absolutely. Trouble in Mind is running at the Old Globe until March 13th. Also, it, we did mention this on our previous episode that Bangin' It is coming up at La Jolla Playhouse. And you go ahead. What? What? Oh no! I was just, oh. I was just like, I, I'm so okay. excited! I okay. can't. That was, I can't. that was hilarious. <laughs> Nobody can see this, but I was starting to say something about banging it, and Mabel looked like she was going to burst out of the screen, and so I thought what? I was saying something wrong. So it, no, because I'm so excited. excited! I, I just, I can't wait. I, that's, yeah. I think it's. If you if you've right? seen any of the promotional videos that they have right now for Banging It, they are spectacular. It just looks like it's going to be so much fun. So that's Banging It at La Jolla Playhouse. We do have a special conversation coming up with Rahana and Mike. They wrote the book 
for banging it. So you can get discount tickets if you go to our show notes and the promo code is HEYPLAY. So go to the notes for more info. And one final thing, Mabel, there is something coming up that you are involved with. So Mabel has a play being presented along with several other BIPOC playwrights here in San Diego. The Roustabouts Theater Company is putting on an evening that is a celebration of new writers of color. So there is going to be works by Carmen Amen, Mabel, our own Mabel Reynoso. What? <laughs> Roy Sekigahama, Gil Sotu, and oh. Christian St. Croix. So that is going to be- last week. Yeah, you did. Said all it last roads, week. All roads, again. All roads Christian St. Croix. Christian St. Croix. <laughs> so this is going to be on Friday, February 25th. And if you go to the roustabouts.org, you will be able to get your tickets there. It's at 7.30 p.m. on Friday, February 25th. And it's going to be at the Fleet Science Museum in Balboa Park, which is super cool. I, I Yeah, I've, I've never, never seen anything there. Seen the show there? Yeah. That, well, that's well I mean, I've seen their, um, what do you call it? The, well, I've seen their, yes, I've seen like earthquakes or yeah. dinosaurs <laughs> or whatever, but I've never seen theater of our kind there, you know, so... Yeah, it should be interesting. It should be very cool. Um, there is one thing that um, that I just wanted to give a major shout out to. And I just want to give a major shout out to Olympia Family Theater. I participated in this amazing workshop where I got to work along with um, two other writers, Ramon Esquivel and um, Miguel Pineda. And we were matched with some kids to talk about the benefits of getting vaccinated. And then we crafted, so the adult writers crafted plays based on what the kids shared with us. And let me tell you something, I learned so much and I have tremendous hope for the future because if our world is in the hands of minds like the youth that we got to hang out with for the past five weeks, I think, hmm. Good things are coming. So Fully Vaxxed will be performed at Olympia Family Theater the weekends of March 18th through the 20th and April 1st through 3rd. And tickets will be made available on the website on a sliding scale. And they will also have free walk-up tickets. The plays are bilingual. And um, there will be one night of ASL interpreted performances. I guess we can I can give this whole thing, this, this spiel as the date gets closer. But I just wanted to... Uh, to point out because we just wrapped up our meetings with the kiddos and and the scripts and we had our our final reading with the kids yesterday and it was just lovely and I mean ah how I old just, are the I kids felt, what what age group I think middle to high school oh yeah wow and and this is in Washington State and um yeah it was it was really. It was just amazing. I love this kind of work. So if you're out there, if we have any young listeners and they're interested in writing plays with with us. us Community-based theater, you know. Yeah. That, yeah. I think that is my jam. Yeah. Becoming my thing, man. I just love writing, like co-authoring plays with young people. It's mm-hmm. It's just that's 
that to me is the future of TYA. Yeah. So I don't know. Anyway, I just and and uh, again, um, gratitude to Olympia Family Theater for for taking on a project with such an important mission. I mean, you know, saving lives through theater. What 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 oh better thing? Oh my gosh! You know? Yeah. yeah. And, and 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 it's coming from young people. You know, it's it was really their ideas that informed these plays. So that's incredible. Tickets are not available yet, but I'll. But when when it gets closer, when it's finally out, we'll uh, we'll definitely put that information okay. out there. But you should also check out Olympia Family Theater if you are in the Pacific Northwest. Awesome folks, um, and yeah, the, the, this is the kind of theater that I want to be making. So uh, so if you have some extra dollars to spare, throw you know, throw them their support, way. <laughs> support, yeah. That's it for me, Tori. Oh no, that's. Then that's it. It's <laughs> that's time, for me, time, time for me to go hit the gym. <laughs> oh my I'm gonna gosh. go work out now. Excuse me, ma'am. You know where the gym is? <laughs> all right. Uh, as all usual, right. there's a, so much going on, and it's all good. All good over here. So thank you uh, for listening. And we say it at the end of every episode, but it really is important. Um, Spotify now has a rating system. So what? It, yeah. So if you click on our show and then there's three little dots in the upper right hand corner, click on those dots. It'll give you the option to rate and or share our show. So please spread the word. Um, it, it does help us to uh, get more listeners that way. And hopefully you just get, get the word out more about, you know, playwriting and life. Playwriting. Yeah. <laughs> and life. And, uh, so our website is heyplaywright.com. Our socials are at heyplaywright. And um, and Tori. Yeah. I'm going to go write another play because right. the saga continues with 28 plays later. That's right. 28 plays later. You're Yeah, you're doing it, though. You're killing it. You've got oh. this. I got it because I have Delicia's prompt. Which That's is right. About something that scares me or something scary so i'm, I'm mm-hmm. doing that tonight okay. all right so until next time next week is going to be another fun episode oh my uh, goodness yeah and and that's like the big the big event the big giveaway is next. that's week. right there's going to be a giveaway yeah. for tickets so make sure that you tune in because it does require some writing okay cool. all right until next time good day <laughs> and good night we have to work day, we have to work on our ending we really do we'll get it some all right all right bye everybody bye